I'm jumping in with a quick message that I've added to all HR Coffee Time episodes to let you know that my group programme, Inspiring HR, is back. In case you haven't heard of it before, it's an intensive six-week programme for mid and senior level HR and people professionals. So if you're an HR business partner, HR manager, head of HR or HR director, or the people equivalent, so a people business partner, people manager, head of people or people director, and you'd like to build your confidence, your credibility and your impact at work, Inspiring HR could be perfect for you. We get started on Wednesday the 5th of June 2024 when we'll be meeting up over Zoom for two hours every week. The group sessions are a blend of group coaching, training and facilitation. They're supportive, encouraging and practical and each week has a slightly different focus. So in week one, we look at setting yourself up for success. Week two is about boosting your confidence. Week three focuses on being strategic in your role. Week four is all about building key relationships. Week five takes a deep dive into influencing at a senior level. And the final week looks at planning for the future. There's a link with the full details in the show notes for you. Or you can learn more by going to my website, Bright Sky Career Coaching, clicking on services and then clicking on Inspiring HR Group Programme. I would love to have you join us and to get to know you throughout the programme. But if you have any questions about Inspiring HR at all, please feel free to ask by getting in touch through the website and I would be very happy to answer them for you. If you ever find yourself having to make redundancies, it can be hard to know what to say to your colleagues who are losing their jobs. Or if you're facing redundancy yourself, it can feel difficult to know how to navigate the huge mix of emotions that you might be experiencing. In this episode of HR Coffee Time, you get to hear from Emma Tomes, a grief recovery expert who explains how the loss of a role can lead to feelings of grief and how to support either yourself or other people who are in this situation. If we haven't met before, hello, I'm Faye Wallace. I'm a career coach and outplacement specialist with a background in HR, and I'm also the founder of Bright Sky Career Coaching. And listening back to the interview, I've realised I use the word outplacement a lot in it. And in case you haven't come across this word before, Outplacement is when an organisation is making redundancies and brings in a career expert or group of career experts to support the people who are losing their jobs with their career transitions. It's one of the core services that we offer at Bright Sky Career Coaching. So we've got a whole range of workshops on things like LinkedIn, CV writing, interview skills, job search planning, as well as offering one-to-one career coaching as well. So because of that focus, I've tried to make sure that lots of episodes in the podcast are able to help you if you find yourself making redundancies or being made redundant. I'll let you know what the rest of the episodes are at the end of the show. But for now, let's crack on and hear what Emma has to say. I really hope you're going to find it helpful. So welcome to the show, Emma. It's so lovely to have you here. And I thought it would be really helpful if you wouldn't mind starting off by just explaining who you are and sharing a little bit of information about your background and the work that you do. Gosh, yes. Who am I? (laughs) Um, So, 
Yeah, so I'm I'm Emma and I I wear a number of different hats actually. Um one of my biggest hats that I wear is I started a business a couple of years ago called The Helpful Coach and we deliver a range of different trainings, so mental health first aid, suicide prevention, training for managers, um and kind of these bite-sized workshops to help people help themselves, hence why I'm the helpful coach. And that's really where it came from, you know, my own personal experience of poor mental health. I wanted to learn how to help myself and also how can I help others to help others too. So that's where, you know, the kind of mental health first aid and things like that come from. Brilliant. Thank you so much for talking us through that. And of course, what you're going to be talking to us about today is specifically in supporting people through grief mm. when they're facing redundancy, because it's something that isn't really talked about a lot. But I know from supporting organisations who are making redundancies, how hard they can find it to know what to say, how to behave, what to do, because the impact of redundancy can just be so huge. You can actually be grieving when you're given the redundancy news. And equally, if you are someone who has been made redundant, I think it can be difficult to anticipate how you're going to feel and those feelings are ones of grief a lot of the time so I know that you have had your own experience of redundancy actually and it would be really interesting to hear just what your own experience of that how that's impacted how you help others yeah absolutely and and that was the the turning point actually for me around you know how can I do more to help other people so a couple of years ago, I went through a period of furlough, as I'm sure many others have as well. And for me, that was a real realisation of how I needed for my own mental health and well-being the structure of going to work every day and how much it impacted me not. And then also the uncertainty of how things were going to work out and how things did work out for me was redundancy. And I remember, you know, so the company that I worked for was, was we talked a lot about being a family, being part of a family, having these values, looking after each other. So you can imagine when I was on furlough, it was kind of like, well, <laughs> you know, not being part of that family in a crisis, you know, in a crisis situation, we tend to think that families are, are to pull together. So that in itself, being on furlough was was really hard and then when redundancy came I just remember looking around at my colleagues who I had you know thought of as my work family and we were all having these different responses and reactions to to what was happening and all I kept thinking was why does this feel like I'm going through another divorce you know um really similar feelings sort of reflecting back on the relationship that I'd had with my employer so the organization the people within the organization and I just kept kind of you know and often I deal with things with humor so I would kind of joke about it or why does this remind me of my divorce so that's when I sort of started really kind of exploring grief and loss and I found 
a number of different tools and techniques. And the one that I, I really resonated with, which really helped me and now helps the clients that I work with is, is called the grief recovery method. Because what a lot of people don't realize is when they're going through redundancy that they are or can be experiencing grief and the emotions that come with that, which is quite a range of emotions that can come with that. So, so going through that experience myself and then having some answers through doing the work that I, I've done through the grief recovery method has helped me process that loss. So two big huge adjustments to make at once well one after another having furlough and then having redundancy and thinking again about this idea of redundancy and grief I know from people who I've supported with my outplacement work when they've been made redundant is that they can feel quite guilty for feeling so sad or or so angry or so lost Mm. once they find out that they're not going to have their job anymore So what would be the advice you would say to them? How can you reassure them that actually it is still grief that you may be experiencing? You don't need to have been facing something as terrible as a serious illness or a bereavement to actually Mm. experience grief. Yeah. So this is what this is one of the things that we do, isn't it, as human beings, is that we compare. And this is is definitely something that I learned through the grief recovery method is how we compare our losses. So some people might say something like um, redundancy isn't as bad as a bereavement, for example. But actually what we know is when we experience a bereavement or a redundancy or a divorce, we feel it at 100 percent. Right. And <laughs> so there's no point comparing. All that does is invalidate our feelings. It encourages us to suppress our emotions. And there can be some people with really, really good intention that can say some really unhelpful things. Uh, so what what were some of the things that were said to me? Oh, you know, you'll be all right. You'll get another job. Well, I didn't want to get another job. I loved my, my family, that my work family. I didn't want to go and get another job. So I wasn't ready to hear that. I wasn't ready to hear those kinds of things. And actually what that told me was, please don't share your emotions with me, you know, because actually, you know, people are trying to push you out of your emotions to to move on. And we need to feel our emotions. We need to, otherwise we suppress them. And then this is where other problems can come in. So yeah, there was, there was definitely some really unhelpful things that were said to me with good intention. So I guess my advice to... If you, if you are in this situation, if you are fearful of redundancy, if you're in, in a process of redundancy, or if you've been through that process of redundancy, you can experience feelings of grief um, because grief is about having a relationship. OK, so whether we have a, a divorce, a relationship breakup, that's about a relationship whether we have a bereavement, whether that's a person or, or a, an animal, a pet. So I, work, I work a lot with people that experience pet loss. Or whether it's a working environment, we've experienced the loss of a relationship. So there's a whole load of, of dreams, hopes and expectations that we lose, right? Because when we leave that job, all those dreams, hopes and expectations that I had working for that organisation, you know, I I really thought I was going to be there for a long time and that I was building my career and I just launched a mental health awareness training program. So I, I felt I really felt things were going well for me. And that takes time. 
so when you're building this relationship and then suddenly it ends, that's what we need to focus on are these relationships rather than trying to compare redundancy to a bereavement or a, a human loss to a pet loss. It's, it's about the quality of the relationship and how that impacts us. And while you were talking just then, you mentioned about the fact that you had some really unhelpful Mm -hmm. advice, even though it was coming from a place of good intentions. I think you're hitting on something here that is so important. And for anyone listening who is having to make redundancies or support colleagues through redundancy, I know there can just be this feeling of not being sure what Mm -hmm. the right thing is to say. And there being a huge risk that they're going to say something like was said to you, and it's the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. So it would be fantastic to hear your advice to someone who wants to help another person who's experiencing grief because of redundancy. What can they say? How can we get this right? Yeah, well, I I think it's really important to be, you know, authentic and genuine. So I'm certainly not going to give a script. (laughs) This is what you must say, because we feel it, right? We know that our communication is is made up by so much more than just words. So we're going to feel if something isn't genuine. And what you just described by saying, sometimes we don't know what to say and that's okay to say that it's kind of this is a really difficult situation and I'm I'm unsure what is the right thing to say here to be able to help you and actually there are some really simple things that we can do just by listening and validating how someone feels so if someone had said to me you you know you're talking about the fact that this feels as though it's similar to going through a divorce like I'd previously been through and, and that sounds really difficult if someone had given me that space and just heard me and validated how I was feeling I wouldn't have been so like questioning myself trying to hide it trying to suppress these emotions and one of the things that I did do was just keep busy because I was trying to kind of avoid some of these emotions whereas if we're giving the space to actually talk about how we feel um, and have someone listen and validate that really can help So you don't have to have all these kind of magic phrases, actually just repeating back what someone said to you and and validating and listening can really help someone to feel heard. And actually part of grief and loss, whether that's redundancy, bereavement, relationship breakdown, we know, you know, all of the evidence and research suggests that if someone feels heard, they are more likely to be able to move forward from grief I don't think we ever get over grief but we're able to move forward with it because we've been heard. So I know that you have just explained this but it would be brilliant to have you give a couple more examples because for anyone who's not very familiar with this idea of really listening and helping someone be heard Mm. it can feel like quite a big step. I know you know these are techniques that I've tried to use and it can feel a little bit nerve-wracking when you're first using them because you think am I doing this right am am Mm. I saying the right thing so could you just maybe give a couple more examples about how you can listen effectively and how you can help that person to feel heard yeah absolutely so take pressure off first of all (laughs) I think we're always trying to come up with these kind of stock phrases what's the right thing to say so take the pressure off Ideally, you do some sort of grounding exercise so you can be present with that person rather than your your thoughts racing. So a simple exercise that I do is just focus on my breathing, 
and really hear what someone's saying. So you were saying earlier, for example, it's a big step. I don't know what to say. I could repeat that back to you and say, you know, this feels like a huge step. It feels like it, it, it it's a you know big thing for you to do. And you're feeling concerned or worried about the future. That's that's it. We just need to repeat back what someone's saying to us. And the benefit of that is that person's going to feel heard, understood. They're going to feel validated, takes the pressure off of you knowing what to say and using silence as well. Getting comfortable with being okay with not feeling like you've got to fill every gap, every silence. And I've said that with my clients that I've worked with before is I'm just going to take a moment because what you've shared with me, you know, this is this is big, big emotions. This is big stuff. And being okay with that. Thank you. That's really helpful. I know that for anyone listening, this is all going to be incredibly useful, especially the tips around take the pressure off, ground Mm. yourself, because that is when it can feel really difficult, I think, is when you are putting a lot of pressure on yourself. And working in HR, I think so many people feel that they have to fix things and Mm. know the answers to everything. And actually, this is something that you can't just fix at all is it yeah and actually it's really interesting because in the last couple of days we've just been uh delivering mental health first aid and although we don't talk about grief and loss in mental health first aid we do talk about validation and listening and and what happens after spending two days with people is they walk away and they're like oh my goodness this is great I don't have to fix anything I don't have to be a problem solver I just need to listen be there provide support and work with the person to have a look at where perhaps we could signpost someone to, whether that's employee assistance program or something like that. And just seeing that pressure of being relieved from people and realising actually the power of listening is huge. And all of this other worries about getting it right or saying the right thing, that can really get in the way of, of us really hearing someone. And I know that you have a really helpful help guide on this haven't you on advice for anyone who wants to support someone who's going through grief yeah absolutely I I felt like I'm a great believer in trying to keep things simple you know so I felt it was really important just to put a really simple guide together which covers some of the unhelpful and some of the helpful things just to have raise that awareness brilliant and you very kindly said that you will give me a copy of that so that I can share it in the show notes yes Absolutely. Yeah. So for anyone who's listening, thinking, oh, that sounds like it will be really helpful. All you've got to do is have a look at the show notes. I have had a couple of people say to me recently, I don't know what on earth you're talking about, Faye, when you say the word show notes. (laughs) So wherever you're listening to the podcast, whether it's in an app or it's on my website, you will be able to access the show notes. All you have to do if you're listening on an app is tap on the episode and then scroll down and you'll see underneath the main bit you press on to listen there's lots and lots of text underneath and that's the show notes but the easiest place to read it is probably on my website so if you go to bright sky career coaching there's a section for this hr coffee time podcast and you'll see every single episode is on there just click on this one and all of the notes will be there and the link it will be there so that you get access to emma's fabulous guide brilliant thank you You're very welcome. Thank you for sharing it with us. It's wonderful. And while we're talking about this, supporting people who are experiencing grief because of redundancy, I know that you wanted to touch on 
Elizabeth Kubler's sorry Elizabeth Kubler Ross's model it's something I've talked about before in a previous podcast episode about redundancy and the idea behind it is that we all go through different stages of grief would you be happy just to share your thoughts around that for a moment yeah sure I wonder if we can include the link to my blog on this as well in case anyone wants more information we can pop that in the the show notes as well because it's um I think the the challenge with with these these stages is that actually the original work was done was about people facing their own death, which is quite different to experiencing a bereavement, a loss um, or redundancy, as we've been talking about today. So there's something about that to consider and just to kind of remember where this originates from. And then the second point is when people come to me, when they realise and and what's interesting is I've worked with people that in the immediacy of going through redundancy. And I've also worked with people where perhaps they went through redundancy five, 10 years ago and they're still finding this is affecting their work and what they're doing. And when they come to me, they're just really confused about why haven't they done it the right way <laughs> and I'm kind of questioning I'm like what well what do you mean by grieve the right way well you know there's I must go through these stages I've been told I should go through these stages and I should do it in a, a certain way and and what's wrong with me that's the question that I get asked you know what's wrong with me why am I not doing it how it should be done or perhaps they've attended a course or something like that and I think that's where the challenge comes in is that sometimes we think that we have to go through all of these stages and or we have to go through them all in a certain order. And actually grief is so unique to each of us. We can all experience it differently. And and I know in your previous podcast, you spoke about people might experience redundancy sort of two to three times in their life. So and each time will be different. Our emotions will be different, how we feel. So this is where I think we need to tread with caution around um, these stages because people can then use that as a kind of measuring bar and actually we just need to feel what we feel and be supported in in feeling that and and that listening and that validation that we spoke about. And when you just mentioned the fact that people will sometimes come to you five or ten years Mm. after the event and they're thinking oh no you know there's something wrong or I haven't gone through these stages I can imagine this feeling that they're they're never going to get over the grief so for that person who comes to you who's been experiencing it for such a long time are they ever going to get over it yeah it's, it's interesting it's a really interesting question and I get asked you know what do you mean by recovery what does it mean to recover and I think sometimes we can have this kind of um, all or nothing thinking And actually, what I've learned through using the grief recovery method is that we can learn to live with our grief. We can reduce the emotional pain through processing those feelings by not suppressing those feelings. And I almost refer to it as kind of might sound a bit random, but, you know, when you've got this really messy kitchen. Right. So you've got all of this mess and you've been avoiding it. And this is what people tend to do because they keep busy. You know, they just keep busy and they're doing other things so they they tend to avoid this messy kitchen and then what we do the work that we do is we actually address that messy kitchen so the kitchen is still there we just create some order we we ease some of that emotional pain so that person can go on 
and continue to use their kitchen. So it's, for me, I think as does relationships don't end. And I've spoken to many people that have gone through redundancy and, and we'll talk about, it's almost like when you see something that reminds you of the organisation that you work for, it's like bumping into an ex. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's that feeling. So that relationship with that organisation, with that person, it could be the line manager, you know, that relationship never ends. Even when people die, our relationships don't end with them. This is why we celebrate anniversaries or we think about people at Christmas and all of these sorts of things. So it's learning how do we deal with those events? How do we process that? And how do we try to reduce the emotional pain that we can experience from that? So to do that, to face up to the messy kitchen, you've talked about the fact that listening to other people, validating how they feel, not judging them, that's all going to help. Is there anything else that's going to help them with facing up to that messy kitchen and processing those emotions? Yeah, the grief recovery method is what's helped me because it's a set of tools that you're learning. It's an educational program where you learn your history around grief and loss, and then you can learn tools to manage that moving forward. So for me, that, that's my experience and, and the experience of the clients that, that I work with. Having those tools, it's kind of, you know, we don't learn about grief and loss in school. <laughs> you know, we don't learn these tools. It's only when something happens that suddenly we realise that when we may not have, be equipped to be able to deal with this. So, yeah, that that's that's what I would suggest is exploring. So just it. to demystify it a little bit, because I know when I talk about using coaching tools, people say, well, what are tools? Mm. <laughs> what do you actually mean, Faye? So are you able to perhaps give an example of what the tool could look like from the grief recovery method, just to bring it to life a little bit more? Yeah, sure. So it's it's a process that you go through. And I guess the, the after part is how you can then use that process moving forward. So um, let's think about this. So an example is when, what do you do when there is a reminder? So whether it's an anniversary, whether you walk past a, a store, which is part of the brand of the organization that you work for, or, or it could be picking up a pen that's got the logo on, for example. And so it's 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 rather than trying to suppress those emotions and then keep busy or eat something or, or do something else, it's actually learning how can you sit with that emotion, how can you be compassionate with yourself and learning some techniques around, you know, some clients I work with will journal, some prefer to talk things through. So it's looking at those different techniques rather than going to the the kind of short-term helpful but long-term unhelpful techniques that we tend to do, which is, you know, suppress the emotion, keep busy, act as if everything's okay, you know? Yes, I see. So two things that you've mentioned there are literally just about talking about it. And you've mentioned a couple of times the power of just listening and talking. Mm. Well, I'm sure you've mentioned it more than a couple of times, probably <laughs> several times while we've been talking. And the other was journaling. Is there anything else that you'd like to mention as well that can be helpful? I think, yeah, I mean, there's there's so many, isn't there? I think boundaries, thinking about what, what are you happy to share with and who are you happy to share with? So if people ask you certain questions, is it okay to say 
I'm not ready to talk about that right at this moment. So I think boundaries or I am happy to talk about this. And I think also one thing I notice in myself and also the clients that I work with is telling people what you need, right? (laughs) So when I look back and when I was going through my redundancy now, I think I would definitely work differently because I think I now have the tools to be able to say, actually, in this moment right now, I really need you to listen. I don't need you to solutionize or give me five different websites that I should be looking at (laughs) Uh, you know and and I think that's really great but right now this is what I need so I think learning how to ask for help and implementing those boundaries is is all part of helping us to say well oh that's great to hear thank you and thank you for being so patient with me while I really dug down into (laughs) (laughs) those tools and techniques that you had mentioned So I suppose on the flip side of that as well is going back again to our person who's working in HR, having to support people who are being made redundant. That also makes me think, is there something there around just asking, what do you need from me? What can I do to help rather than trying to rush in with lots of solutions? Yeah, absolutely. And that's a really person-centred approach, isn't it? Is, Is to really focus on the person that sat in front of you rather than feeling as though you've got to come up with all the answers. And some people may, may say, I don't, I don't know what I need right now. And that's where you can provide some options and kind of go, right, well, here are some options and giving t- people time. Because when we're grieving, it can be really difficult to concentrate. It can be really difficult to focus. So allowing that time to process, giving someone time to go away and read something or so not, you know, that sometimes I think we can when we're in work mode we can be quite um have quite a level of urgency and move quite quickly so it's for me it's often when I talk to mental health first aiders I talk about changing gear lower your gear (laughs) you need to slow down you know you're probably used to working on I don't know fourth or fifth gear solutionizing trying to fix everything when we're talking about mental health well-being we're talking about grief and loss we need to slow it down because people are um, going to find potentially find things really difficult to concentrate they may a lot of questions that you're asking all in once could could be quite overwhelming so being okay to to slow that down and like you say ask that question what do you feel you need most right now what one thing is going to really help you right now that's great to hear thank you it's also making me think as well when you talk about slowing down what a busy time it can be when you're working in your role and you're having to handle redundancies, particularly if there's some sort of huge restructure or, you know, with the pandemic, big crisis that's happened, you can just feel absolutely flat out. But from what you're saying here about the fact that often people may not know what they need straight away, their minds might have slowed right down in that moment they need some time to process it I think it really hits home the importance of having regular check-ins and not just having the one chat and saying if you need any support this is what we have in place the end or (laughs) how can I support you and the person says I don't know and you said okay well here are some options again the end it's really striking me from what you're saying just how much of an impact it could have if you make sure that you're having regular check-ins, even though I know that you're going to be incredibly busy yourself, it potentially can just 
be of such huge benefit to that person. Yeah, and I think this is where whether you, you're a HR professional, mental health first aider, you're only as good as how you look after yourself, right? So all of this compassion that we are giving to our colleagues that are going through this horrendous time of going through redundancy, how are we looking after ourselves? Who are we talking to about how this is making us feel? So it's often a question that I ask organisations that I work with is, okay, it's great, but who's helping HR? (laughs) Who's helping your mental health first aiders? What support network is there there? Because your ability to be able to provide space for someone and really listen and be present is going to be impacted by your stress levels. So, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Well, you have raised such an important point, which is if you are in the midst of or about to embark on some sort of very stressful, large scale redundancy program or even relatively small scale redundancy program that on top of your normal workload is a lot to be dealing with so as part of your plan that you put together no matter how small that plan might seem it might be a great big huge report you're putting together for the board a proposal or it could just be an email with some initial thoughts please please do build into that some sort of support for yourself and and the rest of the HR team who are in this situation as well, because that is the one thing that I see happen the least Mm. when I am working uh, for organisations and helping them with that outplacement. In fact, I don't think I can, (laughs) off the top of my head, think of one instance where the team has actually prioritised their own self-care as well. They're so busy looking mm. after everyone else. Their own self-care is just an afterthought. Mm. So it would be wonderful. I guess this is a like utopian vision for the future, <laughs> which doesn't have to be a utopian vision at all, because we've got the power to do this, haven't we? Is to make sure that that is built into any plans. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think... What we need to remember is we don't know what someone's backstory is. So you could be a HR professional who has been through your own experiences of redundancy or this seeing other people experiencing grief could remind you of losses that you've experienced in your life. And so that may uncover something for you. And I guess my words would be it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to access all those great services that usually HR are signposting too. you know, we can use those as well. And I think sometimes we forget that, don't we? We're so busy signposting and sharing resources and helping other people. Um, You know, yeah, where would we be without HR people, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, well, thank you so much, Emma. You have just given me loads to think about and I know for anyone listening you've given them lots to think about too and some really helpful practical strategies for handling their own grief and processing their own grief or supporting others who are in that situation so thank you so much but just before you go you know that I'm about to ask you (laughs) what is your non-fiction book recommendation for today the question I ask every guest who comes on the show Well, I I feel it would be wrong if I didn't say this, but this is, you know, uh, the the tool that I use, which is the grief recovery method. So there there is the grief recovery method handbook and is it. So I'm dyslexic. So when I first read it, I had the hard copy book and I also listened to it on Audible. 
because again when you are experiencing grief and loss reading a book is not always necessarily easy either so that's what I would recommend and the feedback that I get is that it's it's really easy to read really digestible and really relatable Fantastic. That is one I will definitely be adding to my reading list. Thank you so much. And for anyone who's been listening today and thinks, oh gosh, I really want to learn more about Emma's work or get in contact with her, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, I I guess the kind of usual socials, so uh, very active on LinkedIn. I find that a great place to be. And then also I do have a website, so helpfulcoach.co.uk as well, which talks about all the training and also the the coaching support that I offer. Brilliant. Well, again, I'll put links to your LinkedIn profile and your website in the show notes. Thank you so much, Emma. It's been wonderful to have you on the show today. Thank you. I really hope that you found that useful and I mentioned at the very beginning of the episode that I would share the details of other resources that I have that can help you whether you're making redundancies or facing redundancy yourself. So on the podcast we have got episode two which is handling redundancies of less than 20 people with confidence. Episode four is finding your next HR job, key tips from an HR recruiter. Episode 13 is how to get a senior level HR role. Episode 27 is getting unstuck after redundancy. And episode 31 is three little known LinkedIn features which will help you get your next job. So if you decide to action any of the advice that Emma shared with you today or put any of the tips from any of the other episodes into action, then please do let me know. I would love to hear from you. You can always reach me on LinkedIn or at faye at brightskycareercoaching.co.uk. Thank you so much and I will be back again next week on Friday with the next episode.